we've been going through Romans 12, you know, because it's the uh, beginning of a new year. You know, we always, well, most of us do in the beginning of a new year. We, we do what? We, we set some kind of what in place? Resolutions, right? And uh, most of the time, those resolutions are good things, but are they God things? So, you know, we were praying through that and, and, and thinking through that, and we thought, what's the best for our life, huh? Who's got the best resolution for our life? Who does? Who do you think might have that answer? God does, right? And that's what we're preaching through. You know, God's best for our life. Do you really want God's best for your life? Huh? I do, man. Sometimes that may be painful, right? Sometimes it may be aggravating, right? But I do, man. And, you know, hey, look, by mid-March, 98% of us are going to give up on our resolution anyway, right? I mean, statistically, that's what they, they say. 98% of folks give up on that. <clears throat> well, what if we put something in place that sticks? I mean, what if we really put something in place that, you know, you, by mid-March, you're not giving up on it. You know it's going to stick. Now, you're not going to be perfect, right? But, but you're, you're, you're growing, you're maturing, you're developing. You're better today than you were yesterday, right? And, and, and the world, people around you see a difference. What if we did something like that? And, and that's kind of where we're at, right? Let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Matthew 6, 33. Write that down. That's something you probably need to read every day. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the next one is Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. So those two things right there. Seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness, and delighting myself in the Lord. Now, what's, what's the byproduct of doing that? A byproduct of doing that in Matthew 6, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. What things? What things? Them things we were worried about a while ago? <laughs> all that stuff we worried about? Okay. Not wants, but needs. Needs in this world, needs that God knows we have, they'll be supplied for us, okay? Not necessarily those wants, right? And in Psalm 37, 4, if you delight yourself in me, delight means to be fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus. That's what it means. Be fulfilled and satisfied in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, okay? Now, again, that's not a name and claim it, because what happens when I give myself to Jesus? What happens to the desires of my heart when I give myself to Him? It changes, doesn't it? It changes. Instead of me working 70 hours a week because I got that brand new Silverado on my mind, right? I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm okay with what I got. God, let me use this money. Maybe I could build a water well in Peru. And kids won't have to walk two, three miles a day just to get water. And a missionary can share the gospel. And people can be saved instead of me riding around in a Silverado truck. Or maybe we can support a child in Uganda. And they can come to know Jesus because of Compassion International. We just, we, 40 bucks a month and we support a kid. You know, that's, that's how God changes your heart. That's how God changes your life. That, that's the key, right? And here's, here's a question this morning before we ever get started. Do we really believe God? Do we really believe him and his word? See, because what we do 
speaks volumes about what we believe. What we do with the knowledge that we have speaks volumes. So let me ask you, have you made that commitment? Have, have you made that commitment? This year, I'm going to make some changes. Here's the change. I'm, I'm going to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. I'm going to delight myself in you. I'm going to be fulfilled in you, Jesus. And then no matter what happens with me and in my life, you know it's going to be perfect. Why is it going to be perfect? Because I'm right, I'm right, I'm right here. I'm right in God's hand. I'm in his hand. Man, is there a, is there a better place to be in than the palm of God's hand? You could be in the most dangerous, horrible place in the world and be at peace and in complete, absolute safety because you're in the palm of his hand. That's a great feeling, man. That's a great feeling. So, you know, and a lot of people think, well, man, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people, and a lot of people read the Bible, they read God's Word, but they just, they just want a plan, right? A lot of people are like, well, J.D., I read that, and I hear that, and I know, but, man, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. What do well, I can't tell you what to do. I'm not God. God's going to tell you what to do. You got the Holy Spirit? Then listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will direct you, okay? But we're hard-headed, aren't we? How many hard heads we got in here? Man, every one of you, raise your hand. We're a Freedom Biker Church. We're some hard-headed folks, right? I just, give J.D., just give me something that's practical. You know why we do the aha moment? Because we're hard-headed. Write it down. Write it down. And, and it shows you practical application. You can go back over the year, over the parables, and you can see what God spoke to you about. You can write it down and go back and say, wow, God was, here's, here's a direction God's showing me. This gives you some practical application. This is like a road map, okay? I know we're hard-headed. We don't like to use a road map, right? But use a road map to honor God, okay? Use that map to honor Him. So here's a plan. The plan is Romans 12, Right? The plan is Romans 12. See, Romans 1 through 11. Romans 1 through 11 was, was Paul sharing the doctrine of salvation and faith by, you know, faith in Christ by God's grace. Okay? And, and then Romans 12 is, is our response. So 1 through 11 is, is faith in Jesus Christ. It's our salvation. It's, it's faith by grace. Nothing that we do, right? And then Romans 12 is the practical application or, or how we respond to that. It's God's best for our life. It's, it's what spiritually healthy followers of Christ look like. And look, let me say this, man. This is not what we do for salvation, but it's what saved people do. Does that make sense? Because if you've got the Holy Spirit of God in you, we want to strive to do this. Because this is what Christ looks like. And this is what he wants us to do while we're here on planet earth to influence people who don't know him, to have impact in the world for him. So Romans 12.1 is be surrendered to God. Romans 12.2, be separated from the world. Romans 12.3-8 is to have a sober self-assessment. Romans 12.19, last week Bill did a great message, man, about serving in love, right? Uh, and, and, and serving in love, that's how we as followers of Christ respond to one another. That's what the body of Christ does. 
in the body of Christ. Because there's only two types of people, right? Who are they? Who are the two types of people in the world? Saved and lost, right? So if you're in the body of Christ because you have the Holy Spirit of God, that last weekend was a great, go back and listen to it, man, phenomenal message about how we respond to one another, okay? And then today is about how we respond to those who are not in the body of Christ. So look, just here, I want to read it, it was so good. Romans 12, not the whole thing, uh, Romans 12, 9 through 13, love must be sincere, Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another, listen to one another's, one another's, underline those. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never, excuse me, never be lacking in zeal, right? Don't be spiritually lazy, did y'all get that last week? Mm, God hit me upside the head last week with that one. Be, be uh, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, right? Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Man, it was so good. And then Bill had his nutshell, and uh, he's got a nutshell and a mini nutshell, right? His nutshell was, look, it's only in Christ, surrendered to Christ, and submitted to the Holy Spirit that lives within us that we can love and live in obedience to God's Word for His glory and our good. And then he had one from Chip Ingham. God's love only flows through clean vessels. Okay? Now, what's that mean? Here, here's what it means. And this was, this was phenomenal. This was from Chip Ingram. When the real you, verse 9, the real you meets real needs, verse 10, for the right reason, verse 11, in the right way, verses 12 through 13. When that happens... We begin serving one another in the love of Jesus. And that's really what it is, isn't it? It's living, loving, and serving in Christ. And that's all it is. And that's so hard to do sometimes, isn't it? <clears throat> you can't do that unless we're surrendered to Him. And, you know, it's really, if you go back and you look at this thing, and, you know, there, there are a lot of parallels between Romans 12 and, and the Ten Commandments. Okay, because it's really about relationships. It's, it's about relationships. The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with who? With God. The last six commandments are about our relationship with who? Each other. And look at Romans 12. Surrender to Christ. That's our relationship with God, right? Through Jesus. Separated from the world. That's our relationship with sin, right? The world's system. Sober self-assessment. That's our relationship with that person that looks at you every morning in the mirror. The person you can't lie to. The person that knows the truth. Self, right? <clears throat> and then we serve in love. We just talked about that. That's our relationship in the body of Christ. And then today it's supernaturally, here's the, here's the fifth point, supernaturally responding to evil with good. That's our relationship with, with sinners, right? So, so we got the Savior, we got sin, we got self, we got saints, we got sinners. There's our relationship. That pretty much covers everybody, doesn't it? Everything and everybody. So let's wrap that up, man. Look at Romans 12, going 14 through 21 today. And again, it's supernaturally responding to evil with good. And Paul starts out there. He says, look, bless those who persecute you. 
Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not, pay e do not repay anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And that comes from Proverbs 25, verse 21 and 22. Then Paul ends the chapter there. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. <clears throat> wow. Wow. Now, before we get into the message, I, I, I got to that and I thought, per perception is everything, right? Perspective and perception is everything. So, uh, here's something that we need to understand, church, okay? Evil is being aimed at us, okay? If, if you've got the Holy Spirit of God in here, if we're a follower, if we're a, a, a surrender to Jesus Christ, then we need to understand and we need to be aware that we're a target. We're a target and every day evil is being aimed at us, Okay? Look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. And this Paul's writing there in Ephesians. He said, hey, look, man, a final word here. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Okay? Whose power? The Lord's power. If you don't know Him, you can't, you can't be strong in His power. Right? Then he says, put on all of God's armor. Not my armor. God's armor. So that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And then check this out. Here it is in verse 12. For we are not fighting against, what's it say? We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Guys, we're not fighting one another. I don't care if they don't know Jesus. It may be a lost person, okay, that's persecuting us or that's doing stupid stuff. Anybody act stupid when you didn't know Jesus? Huh? If you got the Holy Spirit, we got a target on us. You think Satan ain't using lost people to, to get all up under our skin and to cause us to be, be sinful, to cause us to be separated from God? We're not fighting people. And we got to start looking at things differently. So you got to put our Jesus glasses on. We got to start looking at people like there's a soul, there's a person right there that don't know Jesus. You know, and how I respond determines whether I push them away or, or I point them to Christ. You see? And that means everything. Man, John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief's purpose, who's the thief? 
The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert, wake up, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Notice he didn't say uh, people. He didn't say watch out for your great enemy, Gentiles. You know, he didn't say watch out for your great enemy, Jewish people who don't believe in Jesus. Watch out for your great enemy who are worshiping Satan. Watch out. No, man. He said, watch out for your enemy. Great enemy who? The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So now, with that perspective in mind, okay, that lost people are going to act like what? Lost people, right? And their sinful nature is in control. So if their sinful nature is in control, who's behind the scenes? Satan. Say, so with that in perspective, look at it now. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, look, when we're, when we're persecuted, mistreated, whatever that looks like, we, we respond differently. And this is, this is hard, man. This is hard, isn't it? Is it hard? Have y'all been persecuted? or uh, Have you ever had anybody persecute, mistreat you, or, or, or just do just all kinds of... I mean, the, the doors of the jail came down and stupid came out, right? Especially if you're a follower of Christ. You don't think there's a purpose behind that? There is, man. And man, there's nothing. There's nothing in us. You know, even if we're saved... There's nothing in me, man, that causes that sinful nature to rise up and raise its head up like when somebody attacks you when you ain't done nothing wrong, right? Y'all feel that way? I mean, here you're serving the Lord, you're doing your best, you're blah, 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 whatever you're doing, and then somebody starts attacking you or just poking you, right? Poking the lion, right? Just poking so they can poke the lion. Man, drives you crazy, doesn't it? And then they go further than that and do something that, that really, you just want to retaliate, right? You want to retaliate? You want to get some revenge? Uh, and maybe that's just me. Am I the only one that does that? Huh? And then usually we want to do more harm than what they did to us, right? Because it, it ain't never even. When you retaliate, when you get revenge, you're always getting more. You realize that? It always happens that way. And I thought, wow, man, it... Is it really hard, is it really hard, that hard, to be a Romans 12 Christian? I mean, is it really, is it, it is hard, isn't it? You know what, man, it's impossible. It's impossible. Say that to yourself. Right now, just tell yourself, self, it's impossible for me to be a Romans 12 Christian. Admit that right now. Just admit it. Because it's only in Christ that we can do this, guys. If Jesus is not on the throne, if Jesus is not where he needs to be, if he's not, if he's not ruling and reigning in my life, we can't do this. And that's the point I think Paul's trying to make right here. Man, there ain't nothing in you. There's nothing in me. There's nothing in anybody in the body of Christ that can do this. It's only in the Holy Spirit of God that you can do this, that we can live this way. We can't. But Christ can. Because in Him, nothing's impossible. 
Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, look, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And in Galatians 5.24, he writes, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.15, he said, look, he, meaning Jesus, died for everyone so that those who received this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Is there a theme you think Paul's making here? Is there a point that Paul's making here? What's the point? Come on, church, what's the point? The point is I can't do anything. The point is I have to surrender to him. I die to self. I put self where self belongs, and I let the Holy Spirit live through me. That's the point. 1 John 4, 4, I said it earlier. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. Holy Spirit's greater. He's greater. But sometimes you've got to preach that to yourself. You know, sometimes you've got you to say that to yourself, right? I think that's key, man. And look, Jesus, one of the greatest sermons ever recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, here's what he said. And, and, and Paul's just following up in Romans 12 on, on some of his teaching. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Jesus said, look, you heard it, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Because that's what we were teaching back then. Okay? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Guys, the only way we can be perfect is what? I die and I let the Holy Spirit live through me. And as I'm living, letting the Holy Spirit lead God and direct me, I'll be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Then he says in verse 15 and 16, he said, look, man, rejoice with those who rejoice. Keep in mind perspective, okay? Keep in mind as we're going through this, think perspective. We're in the body of Christ. This is how we're responding to lost people, okay? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited. Rejoice with those who rejoice. People in the world, man, they, they, you know, they're, they're living in a system. They're living in a, in a sinful system, right? Remember that? Lust of the eyes, pride of life, lust of the flesh. So, I mean, they're, they're all about that new Silverado, right? They're all about climbing the corporate ladder. They're all about, man, rejoice with them when we rejoice. We mourn with them when they mourn, right? 
We don't be conceited. We don't. And sometimes, man, the church can get like this. We can have an attitude where we start looking down on people in the world, don't we? That's what Paul's saying right here. Wait a minute, man. You've got to let the Holy Spirit of God flow through you. You can't be all conceited and think you're all that because you're just a sinner saved by grace, right? Remember where you came from. In other words, I think that's what Paul's saying right here. Remember where you came from. And look, man, it's hard to rejoice with somebody. It's hard to mourn with somebody if we're not honestly, in, intentionally seeking their salvation. See, if we're looking at people that way, if I'm looking at, at somebody in the world about, man, I want them to come to know Jesus, I'm going to be more, more able to rejoice with them and mourn with them, and I'm not going to look down with them, on them if, if, I'm, if I'm genuinely concerned about their salvation. But, but if I get it in my head that, that he or she's attacking me, and I'm not thinking with the right perspective, I will start acting that way, won't we? And Paul said, man, you, gotta, you guys got to be careful about that, man. Again, God opposes who? He opposes the prideful, right? And he gives grace to the humble. So we got to be careful of that. And look, here's a, here's a huge part of, of this process, and I know it's hard, but a huge part of this process, and, and a, a commercial real quick, uh, go to True Spirituality, R12, on Right Now Media, and, and you can plug that in, and you can see all of those videos that Chip Ingram has. I think there's about 13 videos. They're, they're not very long, anywhere from 13 to 15 minutes. But he really goes into depth into these, this next thing. <clears throat> and he explains it in a way where it's, it's an aha moment. Uh, I mean, it really is. So I want to challenge you, man, if you're, if you're struggling with this next issue, I challenge you to go there and look at that. It will really, really help you. But here's a huge part of this process. One is controlling our anger and forgiveness. See, we respond to people in the world that hurt us. We respond to people in the world that don't know Christ with, with anger and unforgiveness. Now, see, forgiveness isn't automatic, is it? So that's what Chip says. Chip says it's a process. So there's three things that happen with forgiveness. One is we have to choose to forgive. If we have the Holy Spirit here, if I belong to Jesus, we have to choose to forgive. Now, people in the world, people that don't know Christ, I get it. You're probably not going to have the power to choose to forgive anyone. Can some people in the world do that? Probably. And then the next step, so first step, I choose to forgive, and then the next step is forgiving. So I choose to forgive, and it's forgiving. In other words, look, man, there's a process where our actions have to catch up with our emotions. Or, or let me say it this way, our emotions maybe catch up with our actions, okay? I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do that because I'm going to honor the Lord. And, and I'm praying that my emotions catch up with me. Okay, does that make sense? I don't want to forgive. I want to pinch their heads off. But Lord, I'm going to choose to forgive that person because you told me to do that. And then I'm going to go live in a forgiving way, right? And then look, as we do that, the next phase is forgiven. Okay? So we forgive. There's forgiving. And, we're for and look, for forgiven, when we get to that phase, 
I think that's a phase where we're no longer drinking the poison, hoping they die. Because I want them to live. I want them to come to know Jesus the way I know Jesus. Well, wait a minute, J.D., you skipped, all of, you skipped anger. What about anger? If you won't forgive, what's driving that? Anger. We want to hold on to the hurt. We want to hold on to the, to the thing that was done to us because deep down inside we're angry. So we hold on to it. So that process of forgiving, or I choose to forgive, I'm, I'm acting and forgiving, and then eventually there's forgiveness. Man, that takes care of my anger. Because I think they're, they're directly connected. Check out this, Matthew 6. Jesus had something to say about this. And it was an indirect thing that he was sharing with his disciples they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Jesus said, sure, man, I'll teach you to pray. He said, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Y'all want to say it with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our day, or this day, our daily bread and forgive us. Wow. Forgive us our debts. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Who, what's a debt or a trespass? What's he talking about? He's talking about sin. So he says, Lord, you pray this way. Lord, forgive me my sin as I forgive those who sin against me. Skip down to verse 14. Jesus said after the prayer, For if you forgive men their trespasses, debts, sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How, how do we accept the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross, and then choose not to forgive the wrongs done to us? Again, man, that's a process, right? It's not, it's not, it's not, it's done. I mean, it's a process. We have to first choose to forgive, and then we make adjustments in our own heart and mind. Forgiving starts to take place, and then Eventually, there's, they're forgiven, right? When we stop drinking that poison, hoping they die. So it, it, it's a process. I think that's, that's all that Paul was trying to share with us there. Look, man, let your lives, let your lives be a reflection of the grace and mercy that, that, that you were given. Okay? James talks about that, right? How do we receive the mercy that... That God has given us, and yet we won't extend mercy. Jacked up, isn't it? We can't live like that, man, if we're in the body of Christ. And in verse 17, he said, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So look, man, how, how do, if we have the Holy Spirit, I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm born again, I've got the Holy Spirit of God living in me. If that's the case, then how do followers of Christ respond to evil with evil? Think about that for a minute. How does a follower of Christ respond to evil with evil? Man, you think Satan's going to feed himself? Think about that for a minute. Satan's not going to, you can't respond to evil with evil and think that you're defeating Satan. It's not going to happen. Satan's laughing when that happens. Because who's behind the evil? When we let our sinful nature rise up and we respond with evil and then we think we're, we're destroying evil, Satan's laughing. But you know what that is, man? That's self-deception, isn't it? We've been deceived. And we bought in. Because most of the time, what is most of the time what's happening? Starts with a T. We're being tempted. We're being tempted because Satan schemes, right? Satan schemes. He knows, he knows what's going to push my buttons. So he allows this thing in the world. Man, he's scheming using people in the world to push my buttons. And you know what? Sometimes, man, it may, be, it may not be that Satan can get me. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But sometimes I'm still stupid. Okay? Are y'all? Huh? Okay. If you're breathing, you've probably done something stupid recently. Okay? Because we are. We still have that sinful nature in here, right? And Satan cannot affect my salvation. I know that I'm saved. But he can get me to be ineffective for Jesus. He can cause me to be less of a witness for Jesus. And he can affect somebody else's salvation because of me. Man, I do not want to get to heaven one day and see how many people did not come to know Jesus because I was still being stupid. And man, that ought to wake us up this morning. I do not want to get to heaven and see the numbers of people in my own family or my close friends or, or people that, that interact with us and they are, they are going to go to hell because of how I responded or how I reacted in the world to temptation. See, it's perspective, isn't it? So we don't respond to that, man. We, we don't respond to that. We don't take God's position as judge, right? How does the slave take ownership of the master or take the master's position? We don't. We're slaves, right? Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. Now, it may not be in this lifetime, right? But, man, people are going to get what they deserve. We're going to get what we deserve. Okay? Everybody is going to be uh, uh, stand before God on Judgment Day. And we're going to be there alone. And, and we're going to give an account of everything that we've done. Everything that we've said. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and everyone. Ephesians 4.26-27, listen to this, be angry and do not sin. Look, anger in itself is not a sin, is it? No, God gave us that emotion. God gave us that emotion, but it's how I respond, it's how I react 
that determines whether the anger is a righteous anger or an unrighteous anger. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then look, give no opportunity to the devil. Look, man, if you stay in an angry state, what's going to happen? If you stay angry, what's going to happen? You're going to do something you shouldn't do. So don't let the sun go down on the anger. Pick up the phone, call somebody, choose to forgive. Pick up the phone, call somebody, say, man, I'm really angry right now, but I want to honor God, okay? And I want to honor Him more than I want to be angry, okay? Have the conversation, okay? Let's talk to one another, especially in the body of Christ, man. Now, people outside, you may not get a chance to talk to them, okay? They're lost. Maybe all you can do is just pray, okay? You may get a second opportunity. And when you do, right, we do the right thing. Romans 6, 1 through 3, Paul wrote this. Well, look, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? That's kind of a dumb question, isn't it? He said, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. And as I was writing this down and praying through this thing, I thought a couple things came to mind. You know, one thing God took me back, hey man, it's not a flesh and blood battle. You're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting, it's a spiritual battle. Therefore, without Christ, I can't win. If I don't submit to Christ and let the Holy Spirit fight for me, Satan's going to steal, kill, and destroy, J.D. And then we supernaturally respond to evil with good, right? That does not excuse the person who hurt us. Y'all tracking with me? That does not. Just because we respond in a Christ-like way, we respond to good with evil. That does not excuse what that person did. It does not condone what that person did. Okay? Sometimes we kind of feel that way, don't we? It doesn't justify their behavior or their actions. And it, it doesn't, I, I don't think also, man, I, I don't think it means we're to be a doormat Okay, for everybody to hurt us. I mean, if we know we're in a position of being hurt or harmed, I think it's okay to protect ourselves spiritually and, and physically. Okay? I think that, you know, the Bible says in, in there in verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, right? So we protect ourselves from being devoured. I'm going to protect myself from being devoured, right? I think we should. But I shouldn't be the reason that there's an unpeaceful situation. Christians should not be the reason that there's a lack of harmony or, or, or there's no peace. It shouldn't be because of us. Right? I think that's the point that Paul's trying to make here. Then he says, on the contrary, look, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heat burning coals on his head. Man, just when you think it can't get no harder, right? Just when you think, I mean, really, Lord, I chose to forgive, Lord. I'm trying my best to forgive that knucklehead. I want to kill him. I do. I want to kill him. 
I mean, I do, man. I mean, I want to kill him and bury him in the backyard. But, Lord, I'm choosing to forgive, and I'm trying to be forgiven, and I've stopped drinking the poison, and now you want me to do something good for him? You want me to meet a need? Lord, are you crazy? Lord, it's just, Lord, it's too much. It's too much. But if I do that, it's like pouring hot coals on her head, right? Yes! <laughs> Burn them up! Let me go do something good. I'm going to buy them lunch and then stand back. And <laughs> Is that what a verse really means? That's not what the verse means. It's not. Look, have y'all ever done something... Y'all ever done something really bad to somebody and they respond in good? They respond. I remember, man, before I got saved, things I would do and stuff I would say to Christians, man, who were just simply trying to worship. I mean, not worship, but witness to me. And they would respond in good. They would respond in a Christ-like way. And, you know, I felt the shame and embarrassment of the things that I said or did. Have y'all ever done that? That's, that's what Paul's talking about. Now, some don't, man. Some people, they got a seared conscience, right? Some people have a seared conscience, and they don't, they don't, they ain't no embarrassment. There's no shame, okay? There's some hard nuts to crack. And the Holy Spirit has to do that. We can't. But that's what, that's what Paul's talking about here, man. Look, if you do it Jesus' way, if you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you, if you respond in good What we're trying to do is open the door for the Holy Spirit to convict that person so that salvation may take place. That's the whole point here. We supernaturally respond to evil with good so the door opens to their head and heart that the Holy Spirit may have conviction and that person come to give their life to Christ. That's the impact and the influence that, that Jesus wants us to be in the world. Is that amazing? That's amazing, isn't it? Now, does that always happen? No. It doesn't always happen. But should that stop us from being that witness? Should that stop us from being? Because we never know, man. William Fay, who wrote the book, Share Jesus Without Fear, he said it takes 7.8 or 7.9 times uh, touches. He called them touches. It takes 7.8 touches before somebody surrenders their life to Jesus. What if you're the first touch? What if you're the second touch? What if you're the third touch? What if you're, what if you're, hey, what if you're the 6.9 touch and then you give up? What if God orchestrates events because your story is the story this person needs to hear and it's the last touch, but you're so just angry at them for how they reacted and what they did to you and you don't do the good and they never come to know Christ. Now, I believe God's a God of grace. I believe God will orchestrate events so that person could come to know Him, right? I believe God does that. But man, look at the blessing that you missed out on. Look at the blessing that we miss out on so many times because we're not supernaturally responding to evil with good. 
And then Paul concludes in verse 21. He kind of wraps the whole thing up this way. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, if, man, if, we, if, if we're his, if we belong to him, right, if we're being filled daily to overflowing, not being filled up, okay, don't stop at being filled up with Jesus. Be overflowing with Jesus, okay? If we're doing that, then the Holy Spirit can supernaturally work through us so we can respond to evil with good. And it allows the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts and the minds of people in the world who don't know Him. Again, that's who we're, that's, this, the focus is on not the body of Christ. Now, the focus is on people outside in the world, people who don't know Christ. This is how we respond to them. And look, guys, either, either, either we're overcoming evil through the Holy Spirit, through a supernatural response of God, right? We're either overcoming evil or we're being overcome by evil. Because I'm letting that sinful nature rise up in me. So either I'm overcoming or I'm being overcome. Which one is it? In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, Look, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guys, that applies to us too. Jerusalem is our home. Judea is our community. Samaria, people we don't necessarily associate with, that rub us the wrong way, our sandpaper people, right? And then he said, to the ends of the earth. That covers everything, doesn't it? Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. It's Christ living in you. Is the Holy Spirit alive and well, and are you filled to overflowing with Him? John 1, 4, verse 4. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. You know, Bill mentioned last week, he stole it from Ben about the spiritual bucket. Y'all remember the spiritual bucket last week? That illustration? So look, man. Whatever's in the bucket, when you're bumped, whatever's in the bucket is what's coming out. Whatever we put in the bucket is what's coming out. What's in the bucket this morning? If we're filled to overflowing in Christ, then whenever we're bumped, Jesus comes out all the time. That, that's the point here. We always respond to evil with good. It's a supernatural thing that takes place. Nothing natural about that. Right? Guys, y'all come. We'll finish. Romans 12. We surrender to Christ. Right? This is God's best for our life. We surrender to Christ. What's the first step? I just said it twice. What's the first step? We surrender to Christ. Why am I beating on that so hard? Because we don't. Right? We don't. We just don't. Guys, if, we don't, if we're not surrendered, none of this is going to take place. So that's the first step. That's, 
That's the most important step is to be surrendered to him. Then we separate from the world through Christ. Then we have a sober self-assessment in the Holy Spirit through Christ. Then we serve in love because we can do that in Christ, through Christ. And then we supernaturally respond to evil with good. All of that is due to our surrendering Christ. Man, it's what followers of Jesus look like. It's what followers of Jesus act like. So this is our resolution for 2024. To become a Romans 12 Christian. So when you talk to people and and people are asking you, hey, how's your year going or how's whatever, whatever the conversation, man, steer the conversation to being a Romans 12 Christian. What are you doing this year? I'm trying to surrender my life to Christ, man, and I'm separating from the world and, and um, serving in love and supernatural response. Man, talk about an opportunity to witness to somebody. You're doing what? Your resolution is what? Yeah, and it's not a yearly resolution. It's a life resolution. I want to change to be like him. Man, if we'll do that, God, I believe, will absolutely rock our world. Not only will he rock our world, I think God will rock our church family. Because, see, we're only as good. What's that old saying? A chain is only as good as this what? Weakest link. Look, man, our body is only as good as what? Its weakest point. If we got infection in the body somewhere, what's happening? It, it could lead to destroying the rest of our body, right? So, look, man, don't, don't be that weak leak. Pray this morning and surrender. Ask God to help you today. Ask Him to help you be a Romans 12 Christian. Go back. Go online to the Right Now Media. Go through the video. Because look, man, it's not something that you're going to read. It's a once and you're done, okay? Because it's a day-to-day thing. Sometimes it's a minute-to-minute thing, isn't it? We surrender daily, don't we? We surrender minute by minute, right? I think God will be honored and we'll be blessed for it. Let's pray. Father, I praise you. I thank you in Jesus' name for giving us the message today. For helping us, Lord, to to understand what it means to be a Christian. To to know now I've got a a practical way of applying what you want me to do, how you want me to live. And it's just being a Romans 12 Christian. And Father, I recognize that I can't do that unless I surrender to you. None of that's going to happen if I don't surrender my life to you. So, Father, today that's my prayer. I pray that we will be surrendered people. And, Lord, that the thing about surrendering, giving our life to you and salvation, is not about getting a ticket to go to heaven. It's not about getting my ticket punched and then waiting on the bus to come. Lord, you've given us a purpose and you've given us... Uh, a vision and a mission for while we're on planet earth. And Lord, that's to live our life in such a way that other people will come to see Christ in us and then maybe the door opens in their life for the Holy Spirit to convict them and they would come to know you. So Father, help us to live that way. Help us to have such impact and influence on the world that many, many, many people would come to know you. 
In your name I pray. Amen.